On this episode of Missing the Point, we're joined by Annie O'Donnell from the Odeon Sports Podcast. We'll discuss Shohei Otani as a new face of baseball and Stephen A. Smith's comments on the subject, discuss the Trevor Bauer legal problems, the NHL expansion draft of the Seattle Kraken, and the most important subject of all, our favorite Mighty Ducks movies. This is Missing the Point, episode 73, but it's all relative. Welcome everybody into Missing the Point. My name is Joe Malkin. I'm joined tonight by Mike Marcangelo, as always, our executive producer, Craig Alessandro. And we have a fun guest, a very anticipated guest that we reached out to just a couple days ago uh, on a whim. And, uh, you know, I've wanted to invite her on here for a while and Craig got it done. So Annie O'Donnell, content creator, sports analyst, host of the Odeon Sports Podcast, where she has a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, co-host of Sports Sunday on 101.5 FM KOCI in Orange County, self-proclaimed sports fan, and it's true. She talks the hottest topics in sports by herself with a guest or on Missing the Point and provides tips for navigating through the crazy, emotional, fun life of being a sports fan. She's at SweetAnnieOD on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, where she has 20.8 thousand followers at the time of recording this. Annie O'Donnell, welcome to Missing the Point. Wow, what an introduction. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I need to update my podcast, like, description a little bit now that I've I, I like wrote that when I literally like first launched and like had no idea what I was doing. I was like, I- I've done a little bit. I should probably update that, but I am awesome. I'm so excited to be here. How are you guys? We're doing great. We're hanging in there. We're, we're doing a, an East coast, uh, West coast thing here and Mike past your bedtime, but how are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm here for this nineties rap vibe. East, East versus West. This is going to be great. <laughs> it's eighties <laughs> Celtics versus Lakers. So Annie, we, we didn't ask you much about basketball. Are you a Lakers fan? We know you're a Dodgers fan. I am a diehard Lakers fan. Diehard Lakers fan. Okay. Well, as as long as it's not with uh, uh, the era of King James, then we're fine because we don't mind Kobe around here. As you shouldn't. Kobe's my guy. So uh, Kobe, I, it was, you can't not grow up in Southern California and not love, and especially in the 90s, and not just fall in love with the Lakers. That's why I don't trust anyone that says they are diehard Celtics fans. I was like, <laughs> how? That's why when Paul George, he was like, oh, I've been a Clipper fan my whole life. I was like, no, you haven't. Southern no, you haven't. Ca- you're from Southern California in the 90s. And you're telling me you saw Kobe and Shaq balling out for the purple and gold. And you were like, nah, I'm going to go with the clip. No, lies. And you, you know, as well as we do, that professional athletes lie just so that oh, people yeah. will buy tickets and sit in the seats. It's what the, I mean, if you're listening to this and that's a surprise to you, well, we're sorry, but you've been lied to your whole lives. But you're not wrong, because when we were growing up in the 90s, it was, you know, Kobe. And then in Boston, of course, we had Paul Pierce and, and uh, Antoine Walker and those guys. But they were no Kobe. And Kobe was great. Shaq yeah. was awesome. And we had Shaq here for a cup of coffee in Boston. And uh, the what was that, the year after we won the championship? It was, I think it was 2010 or it was, it, yeah, it was right around that. It was like fat Shaq. It was big Mac Shaq. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He, he couldn't hit a shot to save. I mean, he never could hit a shot. Yeah, right. I was going to say that was never. <laughs> yeah. No. So Annie, well, welcome in. And we're happy to have you. This is fun because we get to touch on some talking points uh, that, you know, we we're never shy around here when it comes to talking about the, uh, the more controversial things in sports. And I want to start with one of them. And that's the uh, Stephen A. Smith 
comments about Shohei Otani being the face of baseball uh, and the fact that he kind of backtracked from a couple weeks ago. But uh, again, how this kind of all started was we saw your TikTok on that. I sent it to the guys and we were like, we got to get her on. Let's talk about this. So what are your thoughts on one, Stephen A. Smith's comments and two, Shohei Otani being the face of baseball? Uh, well, let me start by uh, just saying, because I know we, we're all briefly connected, that in the past, I've been a huge advocate of Stephen A. Smith. I've been a huge fan of his. I think he's entertaining. I think he provides a lot of insight in the sport of basketball. Football, his takes are a little eh, but basketball for sure. You got to respect, you know, he started in Philadelphia. He was watching tapes. He really, he knows his stuff with basketball. So I, I, I give him credit where credit's due. He's not where he is by accident. Um, and I mean, to, to actually wait to further prove that I, I do have a Stephen A. Smith mug right here <laughs> of the many faces of him with a coffee. That's awesome. Um, I think that's T actually, he's a T man. And there's certain, you know, I feel like at times, you know, you can, uh, you know, I don't want to say I, I don't idolize him, but I want to say you can, uh, you know, admire people, look up to them while still holding them accountable and, you know, not agreeing with everything they do and everything they say. Sure. And that's a big part of my podcast. And that's why I love that you say that, you know, you don't shy away from any controversial topic, because I think that's one of the best things about for one being an independent podcast, my podcaster myself is I can talk about whatever I want to and nothing's off the table and I can say what I want. But in terms of, I, it kind of just, I I had so many thoughts in my head when I saw the video of Stephen A saying, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't help the game of baseball that they're, their face, their number one guy, you know, the guy that's basically the modern Babe Ruth uh, needs an interpreter. And that was just, it was, I had to rewatch it like twice just to make sure that I I rewatched it more than twice, obviously, but I had to rewatch it a couple of times just to make sure I heard that. Right. I said, what, how you're in 2021, are we still saying this? But this isn't new stuff either, right? Like we talk about the interpreter, but first of all, what does it matter? And second of all, we've had that before. We've had it in Boston. We've had it with so many players, whether it was Daisuke Matsuzaka or Byung-Yung Kim, who was in the league long before he got to Boston and still needed an interpreter when he got here. And that's just Asian-based players where there's been so many South American Caribbean players. Um, Raphael Devers needed a, a, an interpreter when he first got here six years ago. So you're right. It's 2021. What are What's the problem? And I feel like, I mean, I just remember <laughs> one of my favorite images in like Dodger history is Hiroki Kuroda. I don't know if you remember him. He's a pitcher and he played with the Yankees a little bit. So maybe you had to face him here and there, <laughs> but Hiroki Kuroda, uh, the Dodgers used to do this thing where the rookies would wear Halloween co- or wear ridiculous costumes near the end of the year. And Hiroki Kuroda and had his interpreter also dress up in a costume too and he was just like these interpreters they travel with them they're a part of the team they're a part of this growing family of a franchise and it just i it was just so i i could i guess i could kind of see where he was as far as marketability but like nobody's going to watch shohei otani nobody's going to watch mike trout because they saw him in a commercial like i I just thought that was so stupid. And I gave, I know in that TikTok, I rattled the examples are endless of athletes that either English isn't their second language or isn't their first language, or they use an interpreter. I mean, the biggest one for me is Canelo, who is easily, you know, he calls, he's the face of boxing. I got a lot of snarky comments about that from the boxing community and TikTok, but I digress. 
<laughs> Who did they think the face of boxing was? They'll they'll say Floyd Mayweather. I was Mayweather. like, you can't see the face of boxing when you're. Right, he might need an interpreter too, though. <laughs> someone said someone was like, yeah, he might need an interpreter to help him read instead <laughs> <or> to read <laughs> him. So I was like, ah, that's good. Were you going for like the active face of boxing? Yeah. 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 It's that's it's Canelo. I, yeah. I took it. I mean, if you want to throw, I mean, for heavyweights, you want to go Tyson Fury, you want to go Anthony Joshua, sure. But like overall, Canelo's the guy. Yeah. I've seen Canelo fight in person at Madison Square Garden. There is no da- no question in my mind that he is the biggest face in boxing right now. And he uses an interpreter, but he's got fans from all over the world. He's got, he, I got into boxing because I watched the Canelo Triple G fight. And that's what got me into a boxing gym. Like you can grow the game, whatever sport game you're in without speaking the native language, because, uh, you know, one of the best things about sports is, you know, there is sure communicating with your teammates doing interviews, but game respects game. Like the game itself is a language. So kids are going to be out there pretending to be Shohei Otani because he rakes because he's great on the mound. They're going to go out there. They're going to want his Jersey because he's a great player. And who doesn't want to be an all around player like that? They're not going to, you don't say, Oh, he needs an interpreter. No, we're not getting his Jersey. No, we're, we don't support him. No, I can't relate to you because you don't, you know, you need an interpreter. So stupid. And this is what you mentioned. You mentioned Canelo having fans all over the world. And my mind immediately went to uh, Hideki Matsui. Um, yeah. Uh, it went to uh, Manny Ichiro. Pacquiao when he first came Ichiro, over. Yeah. Ichiro Suzuki. I mean, Ichiro Suzuki in the early 2000s, there was a commercial where they had a, it was for, I think it was for like 47 brand. It was for hats or jerseys or something. And they had a guy, uh, not a sponsor. Uh, they had a guy in the commercial that was like, uh, it's one of my favorite things to do on this uh, podcast is to say a brand and then say they're not a sponsor. Um, but w- that doesn't mean we wouldn't like you to be. Uh, and it was Ichiro is number one. And it's like, we already, we've already kind of broken that barrier. And right. the, the biggest thing that we've heard over the years is that, we they want to grow the game of baseball in Asia, in South America. Uh, basketball has been growing in China for decades. They've tried to grow it in even North Korea, sending Dennis Rodman over. Are you telling me Dennis Rodman didn't need an interpreter to talk to Kim Jong-un? So I might be stretching it a little, but the point is right. we're, we're past that. And you're right. I'm, I don't care if Shohei Otani can speak English. I, the, the fact of the matter is, is he just pitched and hit during the all-star game. And it made me happier to see a big shining, smiling face on the mound playing baseball than it did for anything else. I think talent just transcends everything, right? I think that's, that's, that's like the message that I would have. And I think that you do too, any like in that TikTok, it's just like uh, when you listed off all the people that, that need an, that need an interpreter, uh, but are still the best at what they do and, and have all that recognition to put it in perspective, Mike Trout has been probably one of the most prolific MLB players for the last, what, five years, eight years. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. I, I have no idea what he looks like. I actually don't even care about him. Like I would never, he's his marketability for me is zero, but Shohei, like this is a great story. Not only because like you said, he rakes, but when was the last time that a starting pitcher of an all-star game was not like the ninth batter? He was actually a, a, a damn good batter that you, that, that, that you had to go against. Right? right. It's like, so Stephen A, I get what he was saying. I guess this is my question to you. Like I fundamentally disagree with his statement. Right. But what he was saying, what he was trying to say is it's hard to market somebody that 
is that 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 with the language barrier? But again, to your point, in 2021, would should we be worrying about this? Shouldn't we just let them go out there and just showcase their talent and then figure out if we like them or not? Absolutely. I mean, nobody. Like I said, I mean, sure, you there's some, but I feel like sorry, I, I'm backtracking here. I feel like the people that like the big personalities and usually like I think back to some I mean hockey players specifically like you got those guys in the lineup that are just not very well or we'll we'll stick with baseball Kike Hernandez he's not a star but he's got a big bright he's one of the funniest guys in the league such a bright personality he'll throw a banana suit on to lighten up the mood (laughs) makes funny faces loves to dance in the dugout like he's a guy that like diehard fans know about and love and will back and support. But, you know, a guy like Shohei Otani, who's got the numbers, who's got just the on field on the, what am I looking for? The on field production, the on field uh, results. Like that's what's going to get kids excited and want to grow the game. Kids are going to see all the, you know, guys hit a home run while I was there. I'm a fan now. And I think about one example that I didn't bring up in that TikTok, but I wish I did, was the Russian five for the Detroit Red Wings, a time when none of those guys spoke English. I think about Pavel Datsuk, who barely spoke a lick of English. But I I can tell you, I knew numerous people, numerous children that were wearing Datsuk jerseys, that were imitating his shootout moves, that wanted to shoot like him. So they're really, especially when it comes to, I believe, growing the game and marketing the sport, you got to start with the youth. That's grassroots. That's who you're marketing to. And, you know, kids get excited by those things. They get excited by guys like Shohei Otani. They don't, like I said, they don't care about commercials. They don't care about print places. Like, I get it. Major League Baseball has a problem with marketing their game. There's, uh, it's on a laundry list of problems for this. (laughs) But I just, I really think as far as Shohei Otani, they need to be marketing him more, but it's not, don't let the language barrier stop you from doing that. That's all I'm saying. Like you said, he's kind of transcendent and Major League Baseball is being given a layup here. They're literally being given the best opportunity they have in recent memory to market their game and get people, whether it's people our age or kids, to pay attention to the game. You're absolutely right. You said it best. So, you know, I'm I'm not going to circle back around on your words, but you're absolutely right. And, you know, Mike, as you said, Stephen A., you, you kind of fundamentally have to disagree with him. I am not the biggest Stephen A guy. I think it's more because I am less of a, I am a bigger fan of Stephen A than I am of uh, Skip Bayless. I think Skip Bayless yeah. is, not, is not, yeah. not good at all. Uh, and the fact that he has burner accounts to argue with himself on Twitter is hilarious. Him and Kevin Durant. Um, Mike, uh, always get one out of Mike. But besides that, Stephen A is fine. But yeah, I agree. I mean, this was just. Um, this was a little too far. And if they're going to find somebody to be the face of baseball right now, it's, it's not Mike Trout, it's him. And if Mike Trout is smart, he will jump on Shohei Otani's coattails and, and ride him into the sunset. I feel like Mike Trout's that kind of guy too. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. A good opportunity. And he's wanted to stay in LA. And I mean, you know, so here's a question on top of all of this. Do you think there's a problem with, Sports in general, because we see it in we see it in football as well. We've seen we see bigger players oftentimes stay in the eastern or central time zone. And I know this seems silly, but it's true, right? Of course, like you see kind of everybody, but we don't see everybody because LeBron James and Shohei Otani don't play until eleven o'clock at night on the East Coast, so we're not watching them. Do you oh, think yeah. that's a problem in sports? 
Yes, absolutely. And I say that it's funny you bring that up because I've lived, let me put it this way. I grew up in Southern California. I've lived in Pittsburgh. I've lived in Chicago. I've lived in New York. I've checkmarked almost every time zone off the list except mountain time in Hawaii, but I don't see myself doing that anytime soon. <laughs> I digressed. And I just think about it in terms of a lot of, I'll speak for the Ducks fan base that I know and love very well is the majority of Ducks fans that I know are very well versed in the league as a whole. Like they know what's going on. They know who players are on each team. And while I've met a lot of passionate hockey fans in Pittsburgh, Chicago, and New York, not all of them know what's going on in the league. Not all of them know what's going on in the West Coast. And that's not necessarily their fault. I like you said, games are on at 11 o'clock at night. The only time they see them these play, the only time they see these West Coast teams play is when they're they have to stay up at 10, 10 30 at night just to watch their team. Sure. So I definitely think it's a problem, but uh, I mean, in the case of Shohei Otani, I, I have to remember, you got to remember that he picked where he wanted to go. Yeah, he picked the Angels for a reason. <laughs> I love that Dave Roberts even said, he's like, oh, someone asked, oh, well, do you feel, how do you feel that you missed on him? He says, yeah, we wanted him, but he didn't pick us. <laughs> he, he picked to go to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, which, <laughs> let me, I don't know if you guys have ever been to California, but let me just state very clearly that Angel Stadium is very clearly in Anaheim, California. It yeah. is right across the freeway from Honda Center where the du- Anaheim Ducks play. So this whole Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim thing, I still don't understand it. It's the stupidest move. I I, I think they are the team in sports that have changed their name the most. In, in American sports, at least. Oh, the Anaheim teams, for sure. That's oh. no, The California Angels, the Anaheim Angels, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Then you got the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, the Anaheim. It just... It's ever changing. Who knows what's next? Well, but we, no, we'll, we'll get to the to the ducks because we we have some ducks related questions for you. Oof. But so we'll get there. But uh, I sorry, I just stepped all over your point there. But no, you're uh, good. Uh, so we, you know, I I hesitate. I'm totally gonna. I have this tendency once during a show of killing a mood. But I want to bring this guy up because it's also L.A. based. And and you mentioned Dave Roberts. So we have to bring this name up and we have to bring this story up. Okay, Trevor Bauer. I know we have the same opinion on Trevor. I I, well, we all have the same opinion on Trevor Bauer. What are your thoughts? (laughs) Yeah. And he's going to sign off real quick if we don't. I wouldn't sign off. We'd have a discussion for sure. But well, well, let's have a discussion anyway, because it's a it's a hot button topic. And they just extended his suspension, uh, his uh, sorry, administrative leave through July 27th. Hold on. Hold on. The key part of that, though, Joe, his paid administrative leave. Paid paid administrative leave. That's which, which is, is something is that people who make a lot of money uh, are afforded to that some other people uh, are not. You're in L- you're in L.A., San Diego, so you're kind of boots on the ground, in, in, uh, for lack of a better term here. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Trevor Bauer situation? Um, I've Every time I've been asked this question, I've, I, I do feel the need to kind of clear the air on my stance because – when the Dodgers first signed Bauer, uh, personally, honestly, the reigning Cy Young winner, I was excited. Anyone that's going to suit up in Dodger blue, I want them to do well. I'm going to root for their success. And in terms of his past tweets and uh, you know the whole ordeal with him harassing women on Twitter, I'm of the belief that we can change, that we can improve ourselves as people. So I said, how am I, who am I 
say to say that this young man can't either. I say young man. I think he's older than me. But <laughs> who am I to say this guy can't improve himself and grow as a person either? So I said, well, I'll give him a chance. I'll root for him. He's a Dodger. He's on our team. However, um, that stance does not come into play in terms of domestic violence and what was read, what I read by the athletic, that was absolutely horrific. Um, I think everybody I've taught every Dodger fan that I've spoken to, I know it's not the collective view of the fan base, but I think it's of the majority is that we're done with him. Honestly, um, at this point in time, this Dodgers team has been, and I hate bringing, bringing, you know, play into this on such a serious topic, but this Dodgers team, despite a very, uh, but despite one of the top records in the league, they've been very, they really haven't hit their stride in the first half of the season. They've been very inconsistent. So I think taking this distraction and he is a distraction. He's for lack of a better word. I mean, the vlogging, the, the internet stuff and everything. Uh, I think it's the best for the team to just move on, but I know that's not necessarily the way things have to happen because of, you know, there was a whole deal when everything came out and the Dodgers didn't say anything. And Dave Roberts said, well, my hand, our hands are tied because it's at the league level. And I understand that the Dodgers couldn't suspend him and they couldn't just outright kick him off the team. But Dave Roberts absolutely had in his jurisdiction to take him out of the rotation. Absolutely. He's suspended and sat players for worse. He sat Cody Bellinger for not hustling to second base one game back in 2018. He sat Yasiel Puig for showing up late to practice. You're telling me you can't take Trevor out of the game because of this entire, you know, for one, just aside from the whole investigation, the fact that there's no way he's going to be focused on the game on, on that Sunday. And it's going to be a distraction for the locker room, if anything. But no, you're going to say, no, he's going to start on the mound. What's the, the message that you're sending to your fans, to Dodger fans who are a very diverse group? I feel like that's one of the most best things about sports is just that, you know, every fan base is just a melting pot of different income classes, races, backgrounds, whatever. But domestic violence and sexual assault ex- affect everybody. So that's that message there I thought was communicated very poorly. Um, will he ever, do I think he'll ever see a major, it depends on how the investigation goes and investigations take time as we all know, but, um, I don't want him suiting up in Dodger blue ever again, uh, regardless of how this goes down because he didn't deny it. He said it did happen. It was just consensual. And I, I don't see him suiting up in Dodger blue at all. So I say, cut the ties as soon as you can. Um, I do want him if, and when he's found guilty. And you know the process does it. I do want him to be held accountable and responsible because there's a young woman who is dealing with probably hell right now, not only just physically from injuries, but emotionally, internally, trauma, all trauma, all that. But yeah, I don't want to see him on a diamond, and I don't see another team taking a chance on him either. Frankly, I, I don't think it's worth it. I don't think any level of talent is worth it. I don't think the mess is worth it, and I think a lot of people are going to question Andrew Friedman and the due diligence that they did during the signing. I, I do. I don't entirely blame him because, like I said, I kind of saw the tweets from years ago. I said, you know, not great, but not illegal. Like it's not illegal to be a douchebag. It's not illegal to be a jerk online, unfortunately. But it's one of those things where you look back and said, yeah, where was the stone left unturned? Where was there signs there that this was a problem? We'll never know. But yeah, I'm done with Trevor Bauer and I'm done with his age. I'm done with Rachel Luba too. Honestly, she's, 
I've been supportive of her because women in sports and she's done great things. I I root for her success, but the way she responded to this and the statement she put out there and releasing the text messages, trying to oust this woman, I, it's just, it's spineless to me. And, you know, on, on face level, uh, I think we all agree on the fact that what happened was not okay. Um, as Mike and I have, Mike and I have an unofficial segment on, on all of our shows now of, uh, that's something you can't do or what's some, you know, like you, you just can't do that. You can't say that you can't do that. And, um, there's so much left to, to find out in this story, um, because for him personally, he, like you said, basically came out and said it, it did happen, but it was consensual. And she came out and said consensual to a point. And then that that's where when someone says there's a point and then they weren't comfortable with it, that's end game. That's it right there. Uh, Anything that happens beyond that is, is not okay. Uh, And that's where Trevor Bauer crossed the line. Um, I agree with you on Rachel Luba. I think, and I, we have to go here because it is sports. It is people that are successful money talks. And for her money was definitely a part of it. She's uh, he is her biggest uh, client. And for the second biggest, too, him and Yasiel Puig. Yeah, well, gee, okay, well, all right. She just lost a few more points. I forgot Yasiel Puig was one of yeah, one of her. Clients. Yeah, she she don't have a great track record with her. Clients. No, I get, I guess not. And then you know, you, you look at Dave Roberts, and and you mentioned pulling people out of the lineup for doing a lot, a lot less. I mean, we're talking about on field stuff because he said hands are tied. It's at the MLB level. When he said hands are tied. I think he meant his hands are tied. I think the decision was above him. And as, as a, as a father and a husband and someone who has, uh, you know, um, not been in that situation, but wouldn't you want to take a step back and be like, I don't really care. Like he's not in my starting rotation, like take a stand, but then it comes down to money and a job for him. To Annie's point, right? If you're going to bench someone for not hustling to second, no, well, that's what I'm saying. But like, can't you find it within your like within you just to bench someone for essentially raping somebody? Like, just yeah. if that's ever even thrown out there, like okay, like you're out until this is cleared up. Also, right. the the MLB has the the power to do a couple of interesting things, right? They could say like, listen, during this investigation, like because domestic violence is is in there, it empowers them to transfer uh, liabilities to the Dodgers. So if Manfred doesn't want to come down with a ruling, he can say, listen, like you guys deal with it. Or what I think what he what he could do, I'm interested in, uh, for your take on this, Andy. What would you think about them voiding his contract? Is that the way that they should go? It I say this knowing that I mean, I feel like they can't do anything. I mean, the MLB has to do its own investigation and that yep. has to all be cleared up. And you gotta think there's gonna be unless there's I can't think of a situation where this doesn't proceed further and go into trial because they basically said, Hey, everything happened. It was just consensual. He's not going to plead. You know, I'm not a, listen, I'm a sports podcaster. I'm not big into legal jargon or the legal process, but I, if it's put in the Dodgers hands, um, which if Manfred does that, um, I don't think he will though. I, I, my model for Manfred is disappointed, but not surprised. Yeah, exactly. Every time, when he goes low, he just finds more ways to just go lower on the list. <laughs> you mean when he was handing over an MVP trophy last year, three sheets to the wind? 
Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's also like that. This is like this would be right in his playbook, though, right? It's like, well, hey, I didn't do it. Like, it's not my responsibility. We transferred all the power to the Dodgers, and he can kind of pass the buck there. But are you familiar with that uh, Denny Nagel? You remember, you remember him back in like 2000, 2004? I was going to say that was way back. Yeah. So the the Rockies uh, were, they were handed responsibility by Bud Selig and they voided his contract for soliciting a prostitute, right? Just soliciting one. He may, may not have done something with them. The problem here is, is that even though he pled out and I think this could happen for the remainder of Bauer is he was, he still was paid 16 out of the 19 and a half million of his contract. So like, uh, I don't want to get I, like we don't need to get on a soapbox here, but I think it's really important. Like, what are we saying to all those watching and listening out there? Is if you can have your contract voided, if you can be ousted from the league, and somehow, even though you still did it, you still get paid. Uh, that just doesn't sit right with me. I agree, right? and you know what? And honestly, I wouldn't put it past Manfred because the entirety of his career has been decisions that are he doesn't care about the lasting effects. He doesn't care about the, what's good for the game. He's like, hey. Let's figure out the easiest way to a solution, easiest way to find an answer. So, you know, temporary solution here. We saw it with the Astros gain. He promised immunity because he just wanted the story to get out there. So players are not held responsible for a player driven scheme. And I feel that way with the sticky tax stuff too. You know, you've got, there's an easy way to tell There's gotta be a better way to tell the difference between a rosin bag mixed with something and using spider tack, but Manfred doesn't want to do that. So he's just banning sticky substances altogether. It's stupid. And the lasting effects could be players injured. We've seen Tyler glass now get injured. It's probably, and it's, he's probably not going to be the last. Unfortunately, I, I just, that's a subject uh, as you're trying to find your words, that's a subject that's really interesting to me because one, um, they the baseballs that they use around the world, especially the Korean league, are already tacky. So they already are, are a little bit stickier. So these guys have that grip on a baseball. The leather that's used on baseballs in the United States is too it's too slippery. So yeah. this is why guys have always done this, but they've literally always done this. I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time is Major League. And <laughs> and, and, and you know, there's the whole scene about him talking about literally like little jalapeno in the nose and it's like so you know if Manfred screwed that one up um he he has screwed up uh, in a lot of places since he took over for Bud Selig and not that Bud Selig was a saint either but uh Rob Manfred is not doing for the game um what needs to be done and you're right if he surprises us all and turns this back around on the Dodgers instead of having Major League Baseball take responsibility for it when Trevor Bauer was not only the uh, NL Cy Young last year, which, uh, and I won't say this about other teams, but shortened season, you know, what, what really, what, like the Dodgers, how good, I mean, he was still pretty good. Watch I mean, he was, mouth. he was pretty good, but it was, <laughs> but he's been, your mouth. Uh, yeah, what's that? I what? said, I said like the Dodgers. No, but I already, you know, I that the trigger don't do me. that. Don't do that to me, Craig. You're going to get yourself in trouble. You're going to get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but point being is that Major League Baseball needs to handle this because Trevor Bauer was one of the most sought after free agents uh, in the offseason. And yeah. uh, the, you know, Haim Bloom and the Boston Red Sox dodged a bullet um, by him going to LA. Uh, so that was uh, definitely um, a good decision and a good move by Boston to not pursue him any further. But. <laughs> So nice for you. Yeah, it's great for us. Well, you know, it's funny because we also got Kike Hernandez. So on to the NHL. Mm. Uh, and- wow. 
that was a lot to digest right there. Yeah, yeah I, I tend to do that, and I will frazzle people. But uh, Andy, if it makes you feel any better, we had Aaron Hernandez. So, like, I mean, like, it's we have our own terrible players. It's only one of the most notorious mass murderers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've also had a, a, a very well-known football team in the area that has cheated on multiple occasions. And, yes, I will admit, as a Patriots fan, they have cheated. That doesn't mean Perfect. we should take world, uh, world championships away, but they have cheated. Um, so into the NHL. Uh, your Ducks, our Bruins, did not find their way to the Stanley Cup Finals this year, but we did have a very strange Stanley Cup Finals in the NHL this year, and it was two Eastern Conference teams, yep. uh, typical Eastern Conference teams that made it to the Stanley Cup Finals, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Montreal Canadiens. Um, yeah, we know how good Tampa was, and we'll talk about them, but I want to talk to you about Montreal uh, because this Montreal team was sneaky, like sneaky good. They weren't Great at one thing, but they had Carey Price. You know, I very beginning of the season, one of the things that I said was that the Montreal Canadiens, I thought from the offseason, were the team that by and far built off the momentum they built in the playoffs in the return to play in the bubble. And, you know, beating Pittsburgh in, what was it, four games? Because it was a best of five. So it took down right. the Penguins in four, a series where nobody Nobody had them winning that series and gave the Flyers a good run for their money. You know, I've props to the Canadians, props to, you know, Mark Bergevin for saying, for saying, hey, let's add some momentum here. You know, going out, getting Joel Edmondson, getting Corey Perry, getting Jake Allen. You know, obviously the addition of Cole Caulfield coming up obviously helped. But no, this is a Montreal Canadiens team that. You know, they struggled a little bit near the end of the season. We're able to slip into that fourth spot that they had a lot of bright spots during the season. They showed a lot of potential and Carey Price obviously playing out of his mind in the playoffs certainly helped Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki rising to the occasion, but also seeing the veteran presence of Eric Stahl and Corey Perry mm. shine through they, that fourth line I thought was outstanding and they were just so fun to watch. It was so maybe not you guys as Bruins fans, but it was very easy <laughs> to root for the Montreal Canadians during this round. And it didn't help. My dad is a lifelong diehard Habs fan. So it's like a universal second. How, did, how are we to hang on a second? How did he become a, how is he a Canadian? Fan? So my dad's from long Island. Um, and he grew up in the original six era, did not okay. like the Rangers. So he liked, he liked the Habs. Fair uh, enough. Easy enough. He's also a Celtics fan. So he doesn't, you know, that's great. Yeah, no, let's so when does your dad want it? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, you talk about Montreal and Cole Caulfield, um, is kind of an unsung hero in the NHL. Uh, he was kind of an MVP, uh, of the playoffs and you know his team didn't win and he had Carey Price who was kind of overshadowing everybody on that Canadians team but you mentioned Suzuki Caulfield one thing that Montreal had that say like the Bruins didn't have is four solid lines up front yep. and they each one of them could play they kind of reminded me of the Bruins from the 2010-2011 era when they won the Stanley Cup because they could do it all no matter who you right. put on the ice they you knew that they, there was a threat there and the, the one thing that Tampa Bay had over them, uh, one is the fact that they have the gritty veteran Steven Stamkos, but uh, Vasilevsky is uh, him and Carey Price. I would just love to see them in a shootout. Just let everybody in the NHL take shots at them and see what happens. They're just, they're incredible. But what Tampa had was one of the best, you know, they say that the top line for the Bruins might be the best in hockey. I don't know. 
the perfection line. Yeah. The perfection line. Right. By the way, we hate that name. We hate. Yeah, that we do. Name. We do hate that name. You up can't here. have that name and not be not producing. And not be perfect. You can't have that name and not be good five on five and not produce in the playoffs. I I love pasta. I, you gotta love Patrice Bergeron. And I'm actually a big Brad Marchand fan, but perfection line. I'm like, oh, you're not. No, don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. <laughs> well, it didn't help that we lost two of our uh, biggest defenders. And when Chara left in the offseason, they didn't really replace him. So this, that, is, that, this is true. That didn't help. But that top line for Tampa, I am convinced, was better than the top line for Boston. And I, I could get ripped for this, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. Honestly, it was – and one guy I, I didn't give a shout-out to that I should because of recent news about him is Shea Weber. He played outstanding in those play. If, if Carey Price didn't play out of his mind and would be a shoe in Conn Smythe if the Habs had won, it would have been Shea Weber, I think, hands down. That guy throwing it – if you were skating past Shea Weber in the playoff, you were going to get hit. You were going to get crushed. It is – which is typical when you play a guy like Shea. Sure. But – I, the Tampa Bay Lightning, to me, I mean, they, for the most part, just that core stayed together from last year. So it really isn't a surprise to me that they repeated. And everybody wants to get up in arms about being over the cap and Dougie Hamilton saying, oh, 18 million over the cap. They weren't 18 million over the cap for one. But it's it's not against the rules. Technically, it's not. So to put a guy on long-term injured reserve and then bring him back for the playoffs. You add something at the deadline. The Blackhawks did it in 2015. And I remember at the time being upset because the Blackhawks beat the Ducks in the Western Conference Final to end up going to this, to end up winning the Stanley Cup that year. But at the end of the day, that's part of the job of being a general manager is just playing around with the cap, uh, making it work. And, you know, if you can find those loopholes, you do it. But no one's stopping other teams from not doing that. Granted, you don't have Nikita Kucherov to just at your expense. <laughs> Not every team has a guy like Nikita Kucherov to bring back in the playoffs. But next year will be interesting. The cap, um, obviously, the expansion draft next week is going to change a lot of things for a good number of teams. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens and how that shakes out. I don't think it'll end up being the way Vegas was where they had so many top guys that had to be protected. That's why I feel like we would be seeing more side deals going on right now. Like I, like that's, I feel like that's why we're seeing a lot of buyouts. We're seeing trades, we're seeing retirements, we're seeing, you know, trade rumors going around because Ron Francis probably is tacking the price on really high to say, Hey, you want to make a side deal? You want to tell me who I need to pick? You know, you're going to have to pay for it. Sort of like how the ducks did trading Shea Theodore to Vegas, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> luckily, luckily the ducks are not in that tough spot this year. So I'm, I'm going into this expansion draft breathing a little easier, but um, it's, I, I feel like the expansion draft is one of those things where you don't see it often in sports. So even if you're not a huge hockey fan, it's something very intriguing to see how a new team is built. I know we've got from t- the Tampa Bay Lightning all the way to. No, the- <laughs> that's but- fine because this brings up a good point. Because one, the hockey playoffs. I, I said it on Twitter the other day. The Stanley Cup is the best trophy. Oh, absolutely! Not just the best, the looking, hardest. but the hardest <laughs> one to go obtain. The best one to to watch. Even if you're not a hockey fan, you watch it. And, you, and I, I playoff hockey is the best. But the great thing about hockey is the stories that come out of hockey. We see we see uh, Zamboni drivers for the Hurricanes winning games in goal, and then expansion drafts which are great in hockey because i learned this about the boston bruins the other day so i don't know if you you know but one of the rules in hockey for an expansion draft is that you have to protect a goalie yep the boston bruins did not have a goalie to protect because uh halak steel is up yep um tuka's deal is up 
and Swayman and Vladar, our, our two other goalies, don't have enough service time. So they went out and signed a guy who was working construction to come in <laughs> and play goal for him, for them in Providence, their AHL team, long enough so that they could protect him so that they ha- could have a goalie under protection for the expansion draft alone. That was the only reason. And those stories don't happen in football. They don't happen in no. basketball. And that's just what's great about hockey. You don't have an emergency. Yeah, exactly. You don't have an emergency kicker in football. You don't have. Yeah, exactly. Probably should, though. It is the most important uh, position on the field. True. Well, that's a, I love when people are like, what's the most energy? What's the hardest? What's the easiest position to play in football? People are like kicker. And they're like, OK, kick the ball, kick a field goal. Nobody right. can do it. Right. Well, but also, I don't know if I necessarily want to be, uh, you know, rushing Tom Brady with Rob Gronkowski blocking me either. So, I mean, kicking is definitely not easy, uh, but I'm a big fan of kickers. But now we've gone from the Tampa Bay Lightning to kickers. So, kickers. Uh, but yeah, what, what do you think about the, the NHL expansion draft and and one the name and the logo for the Seattle Kraken? Um, this is uh, somebody I actually went to Seattle two weeks ago uh, for the 4th of July weekend. And let me tell you, this city is buzzing, very excited really? about this new this team coming to Seattle. I it's so cool. Even people that don't watch hockey, people that aren't into sports, they're like, oh, I'm so ex-. like we're on the wait list for season tickets. We're so excited. Never watched a game. I've never been to a game. So, but, you know, we got to support. We love Seattle. So we want to support our teams. And I feel like the Vancouver. I mean, you got to think if you're if you live in Seattle, you got to root for the Vancouver. Vancouver Canucks because that's right. the closest thing you got to think yeah I th- yo I think about that Stanley Cup final how much travel time that was like brutal <laughs> but I digress <laughs> I from digress. Boston to Vancouver and back again literally I was yeah. I think about I'm like oh I mean and I thought Anaheim to Ottawa was bad now Vancouver to Boston was probably worse Anaheim to Ottawa is pretty bad though that's pretty bad but uh, I mean, I think it's great. I'm a proponent for growing the game um, as somebody that lives in Southern California and grew up being the only person that could talk hockey. And I went to small high school, so really sports in my high school. I wanted more people to get into hockey. I can't. One of my biggest pet peeves about the fans uh, and the people that love the game is that they try to gatekeep it too much. They'll sure. kind of they'll cry about it not being covered on ESPN and all these things. But when ESPN does cover it or when people do touch it, they're like, no, you can't do that. No, you don't know what you're talking. It's just, it's such this toxic gatekeeping culture. And I I hate it. I hate gatekeeping in all of sports, but I feel it's extra prevalent in hockey because it's that, Oh, we're different. We're not a mainstream. We're not a top. Exactly. Exactly. And so I, I really, I'm excited. I granted this is another division rival for the Anaheim Ducks here, <laughs> but uh, I, I would hope, I don't think they're going to be as big of a threat as Vegas, just given for one, the talent that we know that's going to be out and exposed. Like they're not going to pick up a Matthew Shane. They're not going to pick up Jeff Skinner. I, I, Ron Francis, I know it's been a little bit since he's been in the GM game, but I just don't see him doing that. Uh, but you don't have like a Mark Andre Fleury being exposed. You don't have, you know, I'm trying to think, oh, well, you don't have Shea Theodore going and hand it over to you. But the big guy was, of course, Marc-Andre Fleury. But, you know, I just don't see that happening this year for Seattle, just given the names that are out there. But nonetheless, very exciting. Uh, the logo, I think, is very cool. And actually, one of my my good friends, a fellow uh, creator, is uh, Chanel Keenan. I don't know if you've heard of her or know her. I've now not yet, but we're going to. <laughs> she's the intersectionality consultant for the Seattle Kraken. Uh, she's a big proponent of. Uh, she's in a wheelchair. I should point that, but she's oh, a big proponent. Of, yeah, 
of making uh, hockey more open and accepting to people with disabilities. So she's helping uh, coordinate. She, she does a better job of explaining it than I do, but, you know, kind of being a consultant to the team for things that make it more accessible to people that it might not be. If you're going to do that in any city Incredible. in America, it's Seattle. It's at, exactly. They're doing all the right. I mean, they've got JT Brown as their color analyst. They've got, their first play, the first African American play-by-play guy in the league. Like they're just doing some strong. They're they're really striving to make hockey for everybody and be very inclusive, which you gotta love it. I you gotta appreciate it and you know give a stick tap to it. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what Ron Francis is able to do come next week. They'll be they'll be fun to watch. Go ahead, Mike. Just taking a step back, we're talking about the Vegas team, right? I I just want to know as someone uh, who's right there, because they're not as close to us as, as they are you, how how incredible was it to see a team that was just created be on the brink be on the brink of a championship so soon? What was that like? Because that doesn't happen in literally any other sport. I mean, there was the Jaguars in the NFL once, um, but like it, it has not happened in, in such a long time. So I just want to know, as a division rival, what was it like watching that? You know, that was actually the first, uh, the Ducks were on a streak of winning the Pacific Division for five straight years, and it ended at the hand of the Vegas Golden Knights. But <laughs> division, I would trade all those division banners for a Stanley Cup, so yeah. I don't tote on them too much. But um, as I went, actually went to a game in Vegas at T-Mobile, uh, at T-Mobile arena for my birthday that year. And they actually played the caps. So, which ended up being the Stanley cup final, but the atmosphere was just so cool. I mean, what they're doing, it's very Vegas and the fans there, I mean, they get a bad rap on Twitter. I don't know why, but the fans that I spoke to were so friendly. They were just so excited. So many of them are from, like, we sat next to a guy that was from Chicago, grew up a black, you know. So he's like, I like the black. I've lived here for 20 years, but I've been following the Blackhawks. And now we've got a team. So I'm a Vegas fan now. Or even fans that don't know that are still new to the game, which honestly, one of my favorite things is, you know, they talk about how loud T-Mobile Arena is. And meanwhile, it's I'm pretty sure it's just, you know, they cheer at everything. Like they don't know. Like (laughs) Flurry Flurry clears the puck and they're like, yeah, let's go. (laughs) Like little bit, which, hey, you got to love the enthusiasm there. Yeah. And I'm all for people learning at their own pace and learning the game. That's I would never shame somebody for that. So that's all fine. But, you know, I think it was shocking because not one person expected anything out of this Vegas team. I would say the one person that probably did was George McPhee who built the team. And, uh, you know, it is cool to see. I do believe that, like I said, I don't get keep the sword, but I do believe as a fan, you need to put in your dues to really appreciate a championship to appreciate how hard it is to get there. So a cup final run is good, but they, they needed to experience loss just a little. (laughs) They will. They, they will, will which they have. Time. They have. I mean, yeah, yo, yeah. losing, you know, the way they lost to the Sharks in 2019 uh, <laughs> getting getting bounced uh, two years, but, you know, getting bounced these past two years as well. They're earning it. They're ve- the Vegas fans are earning it. I can't wait until they're back in the Stanley Cup in like two years. And they're like, we've had five years of not getting to Stanley and we're going to be like, excuse us. Okay. They're going to be like, Leafs fans are going to be like, oh, I'm so sad for you. Oh, my God. Boy, we haven't even touched on them because they, they, they blow Play my mind. a song on the yeah. smallest violin. Like, it's just, uh, yeah. It, I mean, they're still going to be a good team. I mean, you've, they, you've got a one-two goal, goaltending tandem of guys that could be starters on any other team in the, sure. in the league. Like, that in itself is incredible. But just young, great talent. And, you know, it pay, like I said, it pains me to see Shea Theodore. William Carlson is a guy that started with the Ducks. Um, 
we won't get into yeah they made comments this year where they're like oh we feel like a chip on our shoulder because the ducks traded us they didn't want us i'm like okay wow bill like we traded you for james wisniewski (laughs) to the columbus blue jackets when you were nothing and then the blue jackets left you unprotected okay let's calm it down here don't be too angry at us yeah you didn't end up in vegas because of the ducks exactly exactly Joe, Joe, before you go and pick your bone, I just have one more. I have one more off the cuff question because okay. I, I think you are, uh, you know, you and Kaylee are our best hockey guests ever, right? So, wh- who would you say is the most obnoxious fan base in hockey, and why? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very curious for who Kaylee said. I think I've got an idea though. She definitely said Leafs fans, didn't she? I wish I'd asked her this question. It just it just literally just came up. But I want to I want to hear your I want to hear your. Ooh, this is yeah. a good one because yeah. there's different levels of obnoxious. Right. And I, uh, ooh, this is a good one. You know, it kind of depends because some people take you know passion and excitement for obnoxiousness. Some people. Yeah. But I'm gonna go. I'm going to go a little different here. And I don't think it's going to be, it's easy to say Leafs fans. It's easy to say, I mean, I could say Bruins fans, but I'm not going to do that because I don't believe it. Um, I'm going to say Pittsburgh fans. I Okay. I can get behind Pittsburgh that. fans. No, I, I have a namesake on, on the Penguins. but uh, You do. I, I saw yeah. that. I was like, mocking. Okay. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> but here's the thing. I went to school in Pittsburgh. I went there. I lived there for four years. And I kind of had the Penguins as another team that I would root for. Because I lived right. I, my, my school was like right across the street from the arena. So went to games a lot. Worked, interned for the team. And let me tell you, the reason why they really rubbed me the wrong way is that Listen, I'm all for being a homer. I'm all for really loving your team, but to not be willing to extend or admit that there's talented players in the league outside of your own team is what gets me, is what really gets me. And let me put it this way. There's a few times where, and I get it, you do the Ovechkin sucks, the Giroux sucks chance. I get that part of being a fan, but I remember it was the 2000, was it the 2014? It was the Sochi Olympics. And my boss for the Penguins was asking me, said, who do you think, you know, well, Annie, who do you have in goal for Team USA? I was like, Jonathan Quick, like best, at the time, best goalie in the, best goalie in the league. Without a doubt. About to be his, yeah. And he was like, you can't pick him. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> he's like, he's the enemy. You, yo, you, no, no. Are you a real fan? You can't be a, no. I was like, it's team USA. Yeah. We're <laughs> like, talking about the national team. What are you talking about? I was like, this is separate now. Like, yo, they're friends now. Like, <laughs> this is all <laughs> what I was just so flabbergasted by that. And oh, I forget, there was w- one other instance where this happened. I'm trying to, Oh, Oh, that's right. So I took like a sports media class and we had people from the penguin social media department come in. Now, mind you, this was 2012, 2014. And if you were on Twitter back then, this is when King's Twitter and like the blue jackets, Twitter were the really snarky accounts. And they were like making the funny tweets. And I asked the question uh, where I said, listen, uh, you know, you kind of see the Kings and the blue jackets getting really experimental with their social media presence. What's stopping the penguins from doing that? And they said, point blank, and granted, they didn't know I was from California, but they said, well, you know, no one really cares about hockey in Southern California, so they can get away with it. I was like. (laughs) Wow. 
that's like not the most intelligent answer yeah. there. I'm sorry. That's dumb. So, that, then, but that's such a typical answer for a city, especially for hockey in oh, a city yeah. like Pittsburgh, Montreal, Boston, New York. Like that's such a typical because we don't think that. Well, we I say we as the collective, but the collective yeah. fans up north don't think that there should be hockey teams south of the Mason Dixon. Uh, you know okay. what I mean? Like that's a problem. Exactly. And, you know, it's just for me, it's the horse blinders. It's the unwillingness to admit that anybody's better than anyone on your team. And also the hypocrisy, too. I was there. They hated Mark andre Fleury. Hated him. Hated him. Thought he was trash. Thought he was inconsistent. Now, you know, he gets left unprotected. He waves his no movement clause. He gets picked up by Vegas. He has a resurgence. And they have the audacity to say, what happens in Vegas came from Pittsburgh. No, 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 no. Pepperidge Farm remembers. We remember. <laughs> Annie, as the Counting Crows once said, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Pave paradise and you put up a party. Literally. But also, one of my favorite things, though, is amidst all these, you know, John Gibson, my man Gibby here is a Pittsburgh native. So amidst now where the Penguins have some mediocre goaltending uh, at this point in time, the rumors are circulating and everyone's like, oh, you got to bring Gibby home. We, we want John Gibson in net. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> the Penguins have nothing to offer the Ducks, like nothing to the point where they would get Gibson. They're like, no, Hextel's going to make it happen. Bring He wants to come back to Pittsburgh. I'm like, OK, <laughs> See, but we have that problem in Boston, too, where oh they they gatekeep the rosters, gatekeeping again. Yeah. Where they gatekeep the rosters and think, oh, we, we can go out and get anybody we want, anybody that wants to come in. When Juju Smith-Schuster, Pittsburgh connection, was yeah. a was a free agent, everybody in Boston said, well, we're going to go get him because we're the Patriots. We have Bill Belichick. We're going to go get him. And he signs back in, in Pittsburgh, and it's like, well, that guy sucks anyway. We don't want him. <laughs> And it's like, guys, you can't just because you're in the city that you're in doesn't mean that you can offer. And I mean, don't even get us started on the Celtics and how nobody wants to come here for them. So I just want to say, like, I would have given my left kidney for Sidney Crosby for, uh, back in, like back in the day. Everyone in oh, without a doubt. Everyone yeah. in Boston always hated him, and they were like, "Oh, he's like, you know, like he's such a, like he's a bitch." Uh, Cry no, baby Crosby, yeah, no, no, he's actually pretty, pretty damn tough, and he's probably the the best pure scorer that we had seen in such a long time. So yeah, you want someone like him on your team. Oh, oh, those mid to late nineties Yankees teams. Give me half of those teams. You know, as yeah. even as a Red Sox fan, it's like kidding me. Give me Mariano Rivera in a Red Sox uniform. I don't exactly. Well, yeah, fair, fine. Not an 04. <laughs> beat the crap out of him in 04 they can have him yeah. but no you're absolutely you know what and it's funny because you so you spend four years in pittsburgh uh, i love pittsburgh I, I that's one of western pennsylvania is one of my favorite areas uh we have family friends in slippery rock slippery rock you ah. beautiful campus up there uh but that's a western pennsylvania thing what you're talking about is like oh, sure. them believing they're better than everybody else and don't really know what's outside of like the Allegheny river shed. Like, I they, believe they it. Don't they just don't. It's just how they are. Yeah. I went to school with people that their plan was, yo, no, why would you leave Pittsburgh? Why? Like I'll get married here. I'll just stay here forever. Meanwhile, I was like, <laughs> Here. And here are the three of us from Boston are still in Boston. Yeah, yeah. Boston <laughs> is very different from Pittsburgh. Which Thank you. Good. Great Positive city, words. but I love Boston. Oh my God. I would pick Boston over Pittsburgh any day. What what's the favorite city? What's your favorite city that you've lived in? You've lived in so many, but not Boston. Not Boston yet. Boston's on my list. But I thought I, I wanted to move to Boston right out of college, but I ended up getting a job in Chicago, which I loved. Loved Chicago. Chicago's pretty cool. Yeah, affordable, fun, clean. 
food's great. Couldn't be being fresh out of college. One of the best places to be. I liked New York. I did. I loved the freedom, the energy of the city. Uh, didn't love the rent. Didn't love my job when I first got there. And yeah, it being really dirty and the apartments just being awful. <laughs> it's hard to maintain when you have to build up and you can't really do anything about it. Exactly. I mean, yeah. the fact that, you know, it, it is hard to see that, you know, when you're in your late 20s and you have friends that are buying homes that are settling down and you're like, I'm still paying. I still have three roommates and I'm paying rent in an awful apartment. But before COVID, you were, you know, you're barely in there anyway. So you're out around. I, you know, I was in a boxing gym, so I was basically there a lot of the time. I would go work places like it just you make this it, it, wherever you are, like in the city, you make the most of it. But yeah, the real estate situation, unless you're doing very well for yourself, uh, which some people are uh, <laughs> so very sure. not too many people in New York, but some people right. are um, unless you're doing pretty well for yourself. It's not exactly the most glamorous lifestyle, but you're happy to be back home in Southern California. I assume. I am happy to be back home in Southern California. It's um, not forever. I don't think I think Southern I could see long-term in Southern California, um, not long-term in San Diego, just given uh, the opportunities uh, for what I want to do with my career in terms of sportia. So we'll see. Uh, we've got a whole keeping an open mind. I've got some, <laughs> some cities that I definitely won't go to, but you know, keeping an open mind for the most part. Well, come to Boston whenever you can. Now we're, now we're not ending it here because speaking of coming home and coming to Boston, I know I'm not talking about the euros, uh, I am talking about uh, one Chelmsford, Massachusetts uh, native, Jack Eichel, who plays for the Buffalo Sabres at this point in time. Now, this is where I'm going to bring up your TikTok at Sweet Annie OD on TikTok, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. You made a, a video uh, last week or the week before about Jack Eichel and his trade prospects. And you mentioned. I left off a long list. I know the ducks, the blue jackets, the flyers and the Kings. What the hell? Yeah. I, the flyers was one, it was a wild card. I threw in there. Cause somebody was like, no, I can see it happening, but thinking about it. Here's the thing. I think for Jack Eichel, there's gotta be a few key things for a suitor. One is going to be, you need the cap room with very limited cap penalty. So that leaves with the news of Ryan Suter and Zach Parise being bought out that automatically eliminates the Minnesota wild. There's no way they can make that work, especially when you're trying to re-sign Kirill Kaprizov. But anyway, I think cap room, you need NHL ready prospects, like a, a very good prospect pool. And or the last one. Oh yeah. Draft picks. You need, a, you, you know, you got to offer like a high first round, second round draft pick. Cause that's what Kevin Adams is going to be looking for in terms of a total return package. You're not going to get Jack Eichel in this return. And I think Sabres fans need to come to terms with that. Like as a ducks fan, which the ducks have been confirmed to have been in on there. So don't give me a crap about putting them in there. No, no, um, no. I was more worried about you not putting the Bruins in because he said in an interview that he would love to, at some point in his career play in Boston, but that doesn't mean it's going to be this year. I was going to say, I believe at some point, if he wanted to, he would go, he could go back there. I just don't see it happening this year. Just given the fact that the Bruins don't have a high first round pick in this year's draft. And I don't believe their prospect pool is top 10, top 15. I'm not an expert in drafts just from what I've read. That's not what I've heard, but Hey, I've been wrong before. Who knows what could happen? Uh, 
But I just feel like like Sabres fans are being like, oh, for Jack Eichel, like we want Trevor Zegers, we want Jamie Drysdale, and the Ducks have the third overall pick in this year's draft. And they're like, and the third overall pick. I was like, get bent. Like, no, we're not talking. Jack Eichel is not damaged goods. He is still an elite player. He's a top 10 center in the league. He doesn't always play like it, but he is. Uh, And um, he's not damaged goods. But he's on clearance right now. (laughs) We know he's got a neck injury. We know there's discrepancy between the medical staff in Buffalo and his agent and his team. We know that any team that's going to come in is going to want to see those medical records and read them front to back multiple times to make sure they know there's a chance that there's a chance of recovery here. And there's not a chance that he comes and injures himself permanently, God forbid in the next few years or injures himself to the point where he's not worth $10 million. And then that's a whole list of problems, but also you've got that no movement clause that's going to hit next year. So this is the year. And this is the time, frankly, for Kevin Adams to make a move to get the most return possible. Because if you wait for the trade deadline, you're limiting your suitors significantly. Because the only people that are going to try and go for Jack Eichel are people that are going to make a cup run that are needing that guy to help them win the Stanley Cup. And you're not really going to get people, you know, the teams like the Ducks, like the Blue Jackets, like the Kings that have the prospects, that have the players, because they're not, they're sellers. They're not looking to, to go after a guy like Jack Eichel. So the return's going to be a lot less. So if I'm Kevin Adams, I'm making a move before the draft, preferably, if not before the season starts. Cause you know, at that rate, Hey, you get a Jack Eichel for a year. And if you don't like them, trade them before no, no, a team that gets them can, if they want to trade them before the no movement clause hits, but listen, why would you, I mean, Granted, I feel like that no movement clause is like kind of the dagger in there. I mean, you see it nowadays, especially recently within the last nine days, how many players have been bought out because of these long-term deals. I mean, you see it in Buffalo with that Jeff Skinner where they're leaving him unprotected. And they're like I said, right. no way Seattle picks that up. No way. Well, they, but, they went through they went through in hockey such a, a, a an era, and we saw it here in Boston where Peter Shirelli was <laughs> signing off awful so awful bad. deals long deals high money deals uh to the the aav and it's part of the reason why we don't have those pieces that you're talking about to go and get eichel right. now granted the draft pick is based on the fact that boston went to the playoffs this year but more so i mean when you look at the the uh minor leagues and what they have down in providence it's not enough and that's partly because they're still rebuilding don sweeney is still rebuilding from peter shirelli's damage that he did before he took off to Winnipeg and did the same thing. Just just remember like his damage included the likes of Tyler Sagan, uh, some of the great players that, that are on the Bruins now and Don Sweeney's. I don't, okay. So Annie, I I don't want to get too far into like a Bruins rabbit hole, but from an outsider's perspective, that 2015 draft where they had three chances, 13, 14, and 15, and they did, and, and then Barzell goes at 16. How offensive as a hockey fan is it to look back at that and say, like, why do you have a job? Don Sweeney, how can you, <laughs> how can you have a job? I mean, there's so many times. I don't, I mean, Appreciate granted, it. there's people whose literal career and job is for, is to be prospect, is to be yeah. scout, to know who to pick at a certain place. I mean, Listen, you're talking about the last time the Ducks had a really high pick was second overall, and it was the Sidney Crosby lottery, and we grabbed Bobby Ryan. So I, which, hey, 
I'm a big, but I loved Bob yeah. when he was here. Nowadays, though, if I'm looking back, Andre Kopitar went 11th. Like, you look at the list. Carey Price went further in that draft. You look at the other names in there. I don't get too hung up on that, but it is pretty funny to, uh, like, especially this year in the playoffs when Cole uh-huh. Caulfield dropped all the way and you see all the teams that passed on him. One of them was the Ducks, but they picked up Zegras. So. All right. So, uh, so Annie, Annie O'Donnell, as we've now – basically covered the NHL from coast to coast. Uh, we've talked about Shohei Otani, Trevor Bauer. Um, we've talked about Jack Eichel. Now we have a very important question for you. Okay. My, my first exposure to you was a few months ago during the lockdown. I, I was scrolling through Twitter, saw you and you were doing uh, one of those videos of the, uh, yes, it was from the mighty ducks yes. where you were basically Gordon Bombaying and you were uh, reciting the entire uh, scene. And I was like, this is, that's what like turned me on to your podcast. And then I was like, all right, let's go. Like, let's, this is awesome. So <laughs> the most important question we are going to ask you in this episode of missing the point, what is your favorite mighty? No Ducks way, movie? Joe, no way. Did you ask that question? I did ask the question. Oh, go ahead. D two easily. It's the only the answer. Only Mike's now answer. pissed at me about it. Mike. The order goes D2, the Mighty Ducks, and then down here, D3. Okay, but is D3, is D3 really down there? Yes. Like it, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. When's the last time you watched it? Because I think it holds up. I have it on Disney+. Plus. I watch the trilogy <laughs> pretty regularly, my guy. I I made a pretty popular TikTok about D3 also. I It's bottom tier of the trilogy. You, there's no way it... My D2 is too good and Mighty Ducks is just too nostalgic for D3 to even compare. The only good things about D3 are Paul Correa's cameo. Love that. Julie the Cat Gaffney getting the rightful nod in net that she deserves because let's be real here. She is miles ahead of Goldberg. Like should have been should have been in for the junior goodwill games more than that final shot against Gunnar Stahl. But and then the other Bombay's gimmicks and mediocre coaching being exposed by Coach O'Ryan. Best part. Best part. And and the most frustrating thing about the series was the gimmicks are still back. I was like, there's Gordon Bombay with his little (laughs) gimmicks. The Flying V's coming out of nowhere. No way that would work. No way that would work in an actual game. How easy would it be to pick apart that whole entire thing? Oh, my God. But yeah. Well, Disney named an entire hockey team after the the movie. Indeed, uh, I would my my very own, of course. And I understand that. Now's one thing that gets me that really annoys me, and I gotta be, maybe I'll rant a little bit here. I don't care. But <laughs> listen, I love the trilogy. I understand that they're the reason why Anaheim has a hockey team. But and listen, hockey has grown exponentially, and the Ducks have been a huge part of that in Southern California. But one of my biggest pet peeves is, listen, I'm a really, I'm a passionate hockey fan. I pay attention. I, you know, I like talking hockey with people, but I hate it when I say that I'm a Ducks fan or I talk about the Ducks and people like to throw in there. They're like, oh, they should just go get Bombay to coach. Oh, go get the Bash. You need the Bash brothers. You need Conway, which Charlie Conway is my least favorite character in that movie for a multitude of reasons. Is it because he was in Dawson's Creek? No, it's because he was a whiny little whiny little brat in the third movie. But and I'm just like, okay, real original. And they're like, no, no, like, like where's Bombay? Where's Charlie? Need the flying V? It's like, shut up. 
Shut up. <laughs> but then also, like, so many people tell me, and at this point, it's it's sort of like when I hear from people, people think they're being, like, groundbreaking by saying, like, things like, oh, Friends isn't funny. I was like, okay. The Office is overrated. Okay. Like, great. Everybody says that, and they're like, it's this groundbreaking take. Like, no one else has thought of it. I'm like, no, everybody else has said that. But the one thing people bring up to me all the time. They're like, oh, they need to go back to the original, you know, eggplant, Jade, you know, the original Mighty Ducks. They, the new ones are ugly. I was like, listen, listen, I love, I have so much vintage Mighty Ducks gear, but the new ones aren't ugly. Like, they're not that bad. I like they're it. Exactly. I, I love the color they're scheme. They're not bad. I think the and people scheme. are like, they're disgusting. Worst logo. And oh, like, they think it's just, they, they're like, oh no, they need, like, they're the first person ever think of it. Meanwhile, for the longest time, the Ducks were really thought of this Mickey Mouse team, this Disney team. They really didn't belong in the league. And the, you know, the logo and the jersey itself was really ragged on. But of course, now, I mean, the same thing goes for the Fisherman logo for the Islanders. But now everyone's like, oh, it's great. It's the best in history, all this stuff. I'm like, okay. Yeah, now you didn't love it then, but do you love it now? Okay. Well, it's just like Marc-Andre Fleury in Pittsburgh. It's just human nature. It's just just what people do, especially sports fans. Uh, We see it all the time. This this is where we're going to have to have you back on and bring you on with Bobby during football season or something, because that that would be a fun because so many things you've said, I'm like, wow, Bobby would be triggered. And it's not even a bad thing. It's just we like getting Bobby riled up. So Bobby, a Steelers fan. No, he's the Cowboys. Cowboys. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, Dave, the other one, the, our other buddy who's on here that lives in L.A., he is a uh, Chicago Bears fan. Oh, so, yeah, I know. So oh. he just he likes to send us things about Justin Fields all the time. And, and, and his soon to be wife is a Steelers and Penguins fan. So your Penguin, that's right. Your Penguins yeah, take is going to I'm going to love that. I can't wait. I can't wait for that. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> <laughs> nope. No, there's no re- you could have ripped Boston for the last 70 minutes and we would have been fine. No, I love I, the thing I, I like about Boston fans is that in which Pittsburgh fans, I'll, I'll do a counter for this. Boston fans, they know that they're passionate. They own the mass whole thing. I, I'm all for that. That's why I have some respect for Philadelphia fans is they know they're trash. They know that they're obnoxious and that people yeah. hate them and they embrace it. Whereas Pittsburgh fans are like, we're classy. We're, we're, we're classy fans. We're a class organization. I was like, no, nah, you're just as trashy as they are. You just don't, you just won't admit it. You always say that you're class and you think you're so holier than now and better than everybody else. I love Western Pennsylvania. There's not much classy about Western. No, there is not. <laughs> but in Eastern Pennsylvania, they throw beer at Santa Claus so they can screw and batteries at people and ba- yeah, and batteries at people. They did the same thing in Cleveland for a while too. But uh, but anyway, so we've covered just about everything in sports. Annie O'Donnell, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, and if you you know if you've made it this far, Annie O'Donnell, content creator, sports analyst, host of the OD on Sports podcast. And uh, you know we're definitely going to have to have you back on and keep this East Coast West Coast thing going, especially during hot hockey season we'll have to get you back on we'll get you on during football season and uh you know we'll get you on with everybody because uh that we we like to have some fun and, and go back and forth mike is now pissed at me for asking you the mighty ducks question so that's something Why i'm never gonna live do down. you not like the mighty ducks? no no no, no. The, the reason uh, before like and craig you're gonna keep this do not cut this in post is i said uh before the show started like, hey, I, I have like one question that i really want to ask her because <laughs> she's like a big like mighty ducks fan is like what's her favorite movie and joe's like okay mike you can ask that question then joe's like hey annie uh what's your favorite mighty ducks oh, he took your question oh, I, did. Not so, I also panicked when 
That, I also panicked when Craig panicked because Craig panicking, it, it, it makes me sad. So we don't want Craig to panic. Question. Oh. I, I, I did. I did. Contribution to the show. That's it. Mike, it's fine. We'll talk about it at your wedding. Uh, so okay. I'm, I'm not invited to his that's, wedding. That's, that's, just, fair. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, that's fair. We'll do this off air. Man. Uh, so Annie O'Donnell, thank you. Thank you for joining us here on Missing the Point. And before we go, of course, we, we want to let you kind of tell everybody what you're doing, where they can find you and uh, and how uh, people can listen to you. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute blast chopping it up with you guys. Uh, you can find me on social media uh, at Sweet Annie O'D on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of don't really have a filter I, and I like making a fool of myself. So if you like to be entertained, you like sports, you like music, you know, you like classic rock or music that like a 55 year old divorced dad working in his car would like, I tweet about that a lot. So give me a follow. I usually follow back. Um, and then my podcast is OD on sports. It's available on all streaming platforms. And, um, if you're, even if you're not in the Orange County area, you can tune into 101.5 KOCI Sports Sunday uh, on the website. And I think it's, I think if you Google it, you can find the website, but <laughs> I don't have the URL off the top of my head, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where you can find Annie O'Donnell. And thank in. you again. So what's that? Where I come in. Where is that? Where do you come in? Oh, where's that? Uh, with the links down below. We didn't say it at all. Yeah, know, yeah. this episode. We also didn't swear. We, well, I, mean, I just yelled uh, bitch like like 10 seconds ago. All right, well, yeah. fuck you too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing I say the most is poop. It's what children do to you. So but anyway, Annie, again, thank you for joining us on Missing the Point. For Mike Marcangelo, Craig D'Alessandro, and our guest, Annie O'Donnell, I'm Joe Malkin, and uh, better than Evgeny, and we'll talk to you next time on Missing the Point. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us, from renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.